Thank you so much for tuning in to Encounter AZ's podcast. We are believing that God is going to use this ministry to change your life. Now enjoy the message. Hey, I want to preach to you this morning a standalone message. It's departing from our series. And the message, if you're taking notes this morning, um, is the thrill is gone, is the title of my message. The thrill is gone. And I want to read to you from Luke chapter 17, starting in verse 11. It's a story uh, here that I want to speak about this morning. And starting in verse 11, it'll be on the screen. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except for this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. Before we get started, I just want to ask you, I want to get one thing straight. Um, If you didn't know this, uh, the the best music ever created was created in the 1990s. I don't know if you knew that. Can I get an amen? Did you ever, if you don't agree, that's all right, you don't have a microphone, so just sit there quietly. Um, I'm telling you, we cannot be friends if you don't like some boys to men and into the road, right? Or, you know, you had great stuff. You had Beyonce when she was still Destiny's child. I don't know whose child she is now, but she, she was still Destiny's child. Great music, a bunch of amazing artists. Don't even get me started on like 90s hip hop, okay? Because, you know, I don't even want to go there. But anything older than now seems to be better. Right? We can all say that because we're, we're not in kids' church. We like the older stuff. And uh, it, the farther back you go, it's, it, gets, it gets good as well. And there's one song that I was thinking about as I was writing um, this message this week. Is There's a song that says, The Thrill is Gone by B.B. King. You ever heard that? You want me to sing? Okay, fine. You twisted my arm. No. The thrill is gone. No, I'm not going there. But... I've realized that in our relationship with God, this can apply, where the thrill is gone. Because how many of you know you treat something better when you're excited? You treat something a little differently. You treat it better when you're excited about something. Like, you know, in the first two months of a relationship, you're excited about something. You treat it a little better. Uh, You do things a little differently than you will later on. Maybe you keep your car clean. Girls, you take pictures uh, in the mornings with hashtag woke up like this. No, you didn't. Or caught me sleeping. Come on, that's a selfie. You took it. No. Um, And you always look your best. Oh, and then you say things like, he's so romantic. And then she says things like, or he says things like, she's she's so chill. I don't know. And then three months later, no chill, right? No chill at all. Like, this is not what I signed up for. But you're excited, so you treat things different in the beginning. (laughs) How do you know, like, when you get a new car, it's the same way. When you get a new car, you're like, hey, no food or drinks in my car, dude. No. That's my rule. It's a new car. I mean, you're cleaning it every week, right? You're like, you want it to look new? Everyone has to know it's a new car when they see it. But a year or two years down the road, the only time your car gets cleaned is when it rains, right? Then you're like, I just washed it. Uh, and when someone wants to get in your car, for them first to have to be able to ride in your car, you have to remove all the cups and the bags from the seat that you had the food all in your car and so they can even sit down. 
How many of you have to, it takes like 10 minutes for you to have a passenger. Is there any of those people? I know Courtney's in kids' church. She's one, okay? We got a few others. It's all right. Thank you for confessing. We're going to do an altar call at the end for you guys. Um, but we have a tendency to lose respect for something once the thrill is gone. We don't really appreciate something after a while once that thrill is gone. And that's why if you get married for a thrill, if you get married in Vegas on a whim, guess what? It's probably not going to last that long because sooner or later the thrill is gone. If you had children for a thrill, let's have some kids. Kids look fun. Yeah, let's have some kids. About one night at about 3 a.m., you're going to realize the thrill is gone. Like what happened? The thrill is completely gone gone. Or maybe uh, you're like me. We bought a dog for our daughter on her birthday. And at the beginning, everyone was so excited. You know, the puppy, everyone wants to play with the puppy. So cute. You take the puppy everywhere with you. And then about six months in, like, you're like, why did we get a dog again? The thrill is gone. And I'm too nice to get rid of them. Um, So we just keep the dogs. Um, Maybe you went and bought a new car. And they said, oh, the first two months are free. And you were like excited. You're like, yeah, this is awesome. First two months is free. I can handle this. I'm going to put some money aside. So in two months, I'll have the money for the payment. Next thing you know, things happen. The money doesn't get put aside. And that bill hits you. And the thrill is immediately gone. All of a sudden, things change. Um, we can lose interest in pursuing God in certain seasons of our life in the same way. We go through certain seasons where we're just feeling God's presence every time we pray. We're like, man, he's answering prayer. We just feel like we're on this mountaintop. But then in other seasons, we, we can lose that excitement and feel like, ah, oh, I'm just coasting. Maybe we don't even admit it, but if we're honest with ourselves, we all go through seasons where we feel like we're coasting. Jesus, he encounters these 10 men. And I think it's interesting that it's on the border of Galilee and Samaria. Because these, these ten men are walking along the border. They're not in Galilee, which is where God's people live, and they're not in Samaria, where is, which, which is where, where idolaters live. They're kind of like in the middle. And I think a lot of times in our relationship with God, we go through these mountaintop experiences, and then we go through other times where we just walk along the border and say, what can I get away with and still get into heaven? And if that's you here this morning, then Pastor Josh has a message for you. He mentions that in every single message, I think, that he preaches. But it's so true that we spend our, all of our time, when we're not experiencing God, we just think we can coast, and, and how close can I get to the world and still get into heaven? And so Jesus, he encounters these ten men, and they're on the fence, and they show up, and, and they say, Jesus, have pity on us. And can I tell you, they have a thrill. They have what they came for. They get, the Bible says they all get healed. This is an awesome moment. They're walking and they're thinking, hey, I heard about this guy, Jesus. Here he comes. Um, They start shouting from a distance. And if you don't know this about lepers in that time, they actually were ostracized from their families and from their community. They had to go and live in leper colonies where only other lepers could live because they were very contagious. And leprosy was a terrible disease where your nerves would begin to die and body parts and things like fingers and toes would literally fall off of your body. And so these men, they, they had been separated from their families, and now here comes this man down the road, and any time someone would come near to them, they had to shout and say, stop, I'm unclean. And so they were used to this. They shouted from a distance. They had to isolate themselves, and these guys were in a bad place in their lives. I would probably say that I could be honest if I was to say this is the darkest place they'd ever been in in their life. 
But do you know that location shows you things that other people can't see sometimes? Sometimes you have to go through a dark season in your life to see things that other people can't see. What do we do when we go through dark seasons? We just complain, all right? Um, like if, if we went, this is going to be a Diamondbacks message, I guess, this morning. I don't know. If we went to the D-backs game this week and, and I was in the nosebleeds and you were in the box seats right behind the dugout, you could see sweat and I'd need binoculars. And you know, the thing is, your seats would probably cost you a lot more than my seats, but you could see things that I could never see. And in life, there's a lot of times where you're going to find yourself in situations with God where it's costing you a lot, and you start thinking, God, why is this happening? But it's actually because he wants to give you a revelation of something that other people can't see because they're not where you are. And, and we don't need to waste our time complaining and understanding that this trial that I'm in is, is not God's. Well, actually, it probably is. God probably wants to give me a revelation of something about himself, and I'm not going to see it unless I'm in this situation, because location determines what you see. He actually has to change your location to get you a revelation. We need to stop complaining about our location and start praising God that he wants to show us, show himself to us. He wants, you can never show you he's Jehovah Jireh if your bank account is always full. Can I get an amen? And how many you know, I know he's Jehovah Jireh. Do you know he's Jehovah Jireh? He's our provider. That's what that means. I should explain that. I'm so, so spiritual. I know all these words. Um, but there's, there's all these stories in the Bible about God changing people's surroundings, and, and they, they don't understand, and they complain. We see Abraham. We love to talk about Abraham. He's the father of our faith, and, and he just left everything. God said, go, and I'll show you when you get to the place I'm sending you. I'm going to give it to all your descendants. You're going to have children, and your, your sons and your daughters are going to be as numerous as the stars. And he's like, oh, this sounds great. They set out on this journey. Now they find themselves in the middle of nowhere, and they have no kids. And Abraham has this meltdown, and he, he's sitting in his tent, the Bible says, and he cries out to God and says, God, look. Look at this, God. Can you, what is going on? I have no kids. And you know what God does? He actually takes him outside and he says, look up. And Abraham looks up and he says, count the stars. And he says, I can't count the stars. And so God is actually saying, you know what? You're not going to get what I want to give, give you if you don't get to where I want to put you. And so sometimes you have to go through these situations and get to these places that are unpleasant and it's complicated, but God actually has you there for a reason. Imagine Joseph when he was sold into slavery, thrown into prison for a crime he didn't commit. If I'm Joseph, I'm probably going to start complaining in prison. Like, what is going on? I've been serving God. I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do. And now I'm in prison for something I didn't do. But you know what? It was actually not even a setback. It was a set up so that he could be second in command in Egypt and deliver all of Israel in the time of famine. If it wasn't for him being sold into slavery and in the prison, it never would have happened. But his location was actually to give him a revelation of who God is. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you're, going, if you're going through something, if you've been complaining about the environment you're in, just understand God has you there for a reason. He's still on the throne. He's still in control of every aspect of your life, and it's not out of his hands. Maybe some of you have been complaining about the environment that you were born in or raised in and thought, I would, it would be different if I, if I didn't have to go through this. 
It would be different if I never experienced this or if I could have grown up in that neighborhood or, or if I could have had that family. Can I tell you, what you saw as a setback was actually a location that's God-ordained. And if you allow him, it's not a setback. It can become a setup for your destiny and what he wants to do through you. We got to stop complaining about where we are and say, God, I believe that you are in control. You have me here for a reason. Because we pray and we say, God, take me to the next level. Use me, God. And we, then he starts to put a situation in our lives to change our view. And we say, God, why am I here? And we start complaining. You're here because you asked me to use you. And if you want me to use you, I have to put you in a place where you can be used. But you got to trust him with every step. Because the Bible says the, right, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. But we want an elevator, right? But God doesn't do things that way. we got to follow God wherever he takes us and trust that he's still in control in every situation. Because some of the places that he takes us to are not great. They're not. But he doesn't just bring it to, to us to it. He brings us through it, doesn't he? Um, the thing that Jesus says to them, the first thing he says is, go and show yourselves to the priests. Because in that day, the priests were the only one who could actually give them the, the right to go back to their families and go back to society. They could pronounce them clean and say, you're healed. You can go back to your family. And the Bible says that they're walking along, and along the way, they're healed. They got what they wanted from God. What was their response? What was the very next thing that they did? They received from God. What was the purpose? Was it to receive or was it to actually initiate a relationship with Jesus? Because they, they received what they wanted, but now this thrill is gone. I got it. I got what I wanted. And now nine of them were content to go home. And can I ask you something this morning? Is what you've been asking God, is it actually a miracle for your own comfort? Is it a miracle for your own comfort, or was it for relationship? Because if so, if you actually want a relationship with Jesus, when he, when he answers your prayer, you're going to return to him for more intimacy because he wants, you want to know him and because you love him. And these nine men, they didn't understand that. And so I want to ask you this morning, I think we can learn something from this story. My question to you is, is the thrill gone from your relationship with God? Can you be honest with yourself and with God and say, it's just different, it's not like it was? And if, if so, I want to ask you, what motivates your love for God? Is it a constant um, receiving from God? What can I get from God? Or is it knowing the blesser? Is it a blessing or knowing the blesser? Because I think we get caught up, especially in American Christianity, where we think, um, I'm just going to get stuff, and he's, he's just going to come along with everything I want to do. But God is saying, I, I will give you stuff, but it's about knowing me. It's not about getting something from me. Have you ever had a, one of those relationships with someone that they only wanted to be your friend when they wanted something? Ugh, that's annoying, right? Stop being that person, all right? That's my new truth. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, <clears throat> but only one of them they return to Jesus. You know why? Because sometimes we're more concerned with God's power than his presence. God, I want your power, but I, I don't really care about your presence. God, I want what you have, but I don't really want who you are. God, I, I want the promise, but I don't want the promise giver. I want the miracle, but not the man. And Jesus is, is showing us something through the story that this is a danger for all of us. Because we love coming to church. I love church and experiencing God's presence and, 
and worshiping and, and in, encountering God. I love the goosebumps you get during worship, you know what I mean? When, when you're just like, man, God is here. This is awesome. I love all that. But can I tell you, if that's all it is for you, there's a danger that you can become this person who's worshiping worship instead of worshiping the object of worship. And you think, ooh, sing the song I like. Ooh, that got quiet, right? Um, Oh, sing the bridge again, Jen. Sing the bridge, Josh. Do, do, the, do that one. Oh, that always gets me. No, that's not even what it's about because we're here to worship Jesus. That means no matter what song is sung, that means no matter if anybody else is worshiping, I came here to worship God because he's the object of my worship. I'm, I'm here to worship him because even our worship can become all about us. I've counseled many people who, who, who say, I... You know, I, I just don't feel them when I worship anymore. And I always tell them the same thing. I say, I understand, and I believe God wants you to feel his presence, but can I ask you, when did worship become about what you get out of it rather than giving God praise and worship and honoring him? When did it become that? But we do that. That's, that's our human nature. It's, it's this selfish thing that we do. And these, men, these nine, they, they were that way. And again, let me reiterate, I'm glad I'm not God, because if this is me and I'm Jesus, I know you nine aren't coming back. So guess what? Start walking. You ain't getting healed. Enjoy your fingers falling off, okay? Because, but you, you, you can get healed. But do you know what this shows me about Jesus is that he was actually cared more about people than actually receiving praise for helping people? He knew they weren't going to praise him. He knew they weren't going to turn around and worship him, but he was, he was more motivated to do acts of service than to receive praise. I think a lot of Christians could learn from that, that we can do things and not receive praise for him, and it's okay because our Heavenly Father in Heaven knows that we're serving Him, and the motivation of our heart is just to serve God. I don't need an audience. I don't need to post about it on Instagram or Facebook so everyone knows the good I did today, or the homeless person I met on the street. I don't have to do it. And I'm not saying if you've done that that your heart is in the wrong place. I'm just saying that we need to understand that Jesus' motivation was just to serve not to receive praise for it. That's why he came in this situation for the one. He healed all ten, but he knew there's only one who's going to return for a relationship with me. He knew only one would come back, and he healed them anyways. This is some interesting theology that you can get in here, because that means Jesus would go into a town. We see stories of Jesus going into cities, and they'd bring all the sick out of the marketplaces, and he would heal them. And then we see this story where Jesus healed not, 10 people and nine of them never returned for, to praise him, never actually began a relationship with him. And do you know what that means? That means Jesus probably healed people. No, I can say he was certain to heal people who would never serve him. Jesus healed hands that would go out and hurt someone again. Jesus did, he, did, he healed eyes that would lust again. He healed mouths that would curse him. Why would you do this? You know why? Because he was motivated by compassion and love, and he understood that. He did it because he always does his part. It's who he is. And our part is to return and respond with praise. Our part is when I receive and I know Jesus, I'm always going to turn back to Jesus and praise him and never forget what I got from him. If you live in this generation, you know that the, a catch word, a trigger word, something that's going to trigger you this morning is if I say the word entitlement, right? 
I heard, saw a lot of heads nod. I go, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this, there's, a, there's a something happening, happening in our culture um, that's entitlement. Even my kids are being struck by it, okay? The other day, I was telling my older daughter, she's nine, I said, you have, you have to understand this summer you're going to pick up some more, you know, you're going to start helping more with laundry and the dishes and things like that. And you know what she had the nerve to say to me? She said, how much am I getting paid? You know what I said? I said, every time you go in your room and you turn on the light, that's you getting paid. Every time you sit down to the dinner table and eat the food that I bought, that's you getting paid. Every time you feel that air conditioning on in your room, that's you getting paid because you're part of this family. And then I slapped her. No, I didn't. I'm just kidding. No, I'm kidding. But I want to tell you three facts about gratitude from this story because I think it's important that as people of God, we live as people of gratitude who understand that what I get, I turn around and give God praise for what I got because I know he's, he's the blesser. He's the one that's, that's worthy of my worship. The first fact uh, about gratitude from this story, number one, is gratitude goes against the multitude. Gratitude goes against the multitude. Have you noticed that if you actually show gratitude to some people in our culture now, they're like shocked by it? You stand out like a sore thumb if you're a person of gratitude. Like if someone's... Um, just working at Circle K or something, and, and you, you pay for your drink or whatever, and, and you're leaving, you say, thank you very much, I appreciate you. They look at you like, oh, you're welcome, I guess. I mean, what do, how do I react to this? Because people of gratitude, they stand out, but there's a mentality in the world that says, what can I get for myself? But people of gratitude actually understand that they, they don't deserve anything, they just want to honor those who serve them. Uh, this is a true story. I had a friend who was in Walmart, and this, this lady walked up to him in Walmart and said, excuse me, do you know where I can find toothbrushes? And he, I mean, I would have been like, do I look like I work here? Is this Target? Am I wearing like red and khakis? I don't understand. But he, said, he, he was really nice, and he said, I, I believe it's about two aisles that way. You know what she said to him? She said, if you don't know, shut up. I'm like, uh, excuse? Catch me outside? How about that? No, but, but that's... That's the mentality of a person who doesn't understand gratitude. And God has called us to be people of gratitude. He's called us to understand that it will make us stand out because if we do what everyone else is doing, we're going to get what everyone else is getting. But I want to be a person who, when I walk in a room, people say something is different. There's something that he has that I want. There's an attitude behind um, his faith that God is doing something in his heart. I want to stand out. The second thing is gratitude is seen in your attitude. You could be thankful without being joyful. You know that? I mean, you can't be thankful without being joyful. <laughs> Try it. Go ahead. Try and say thanks without having a smile on your face. Thanks. See, I said it, but I didn't, you didn't feel gratitude coming from me, right? It's like you, when you were a kid. Heckler over here. Um, it's like when you were a kid and you're... And your mom would say, do you remember, do you ever have a mom that said, oh, say thank you or, or tell your brother sorry? I heard that so often. <laughs> Give each other a hug and tell, you, tell, your, tell them you're sorry. And you'd hug and you'd say, sorry. Yeah. You said it, but you didn't mean it, right? It, it, because it's, poss- it's impossible to show gratitude without having a good attitude. It's seen in your attitude. It shows right through you. And some of you, you have no joy in your life because you have no gratitude. Your attitude is completely changed and your joy is stolen because 
You have no gratitude in your heart. That's why you can't appreciate the job you have and you constantly complain about it. It's because you forgot that what it was like to have no job when you were worried about your bills, how they were going to get paid. And all of a sudden, I hate my job. I don't want to be there. But I've lost gratitude. Now I don't want to be there. Some of you, you have no joy in your marriage because you've lost gratitude for the fact that your spouse will actually put up with you every day. But you've lost joy because you have no more gratitude. Some of you, You've lost joy in serving because you've forgotten that it's about serving Him and showing that you're grateful and you want to do something for Him. Because the, the Scripture tells us that the joy of the Lord is your strength. That means the enemy knows if he can steal your joy, then he can steal your strength. He can, if he can steal the joy out of your marriage, he can steal the strength right out of your marriage. If he can steal the joy right out of your faith with Jesus, he can steal your strength right out of your faith. The Bible says this man comes back and praises Jesus loudly. The one comes back and he praises loudly. I love that because he's passionate about what he received. His worship, like I spoke about a couple weeks ago, is actually a reflection of what he's received from God. That's why I don't judge someone's worship when I see them going out all out and worshiping with their hands raised, jumping up and down, running, I don't know what you're, running the aisles, dancing, it doesn't matter to me because you know what I see? I see someone who understands that they aren't who they used to be and they receive something from God and they came back to praise God loudly. How grateful are we to God if we can worship with our hands in our pockets? It's like when my mom used to say, say sorry, sorry. But it's, I mean, sometimes we, we stand and we act like we have nothing to be grateful for. We need to remind ourselves that we definitely have something to be grateful for. The reason that some of you are not in jail this morning, you're here to worship God, is only because of Jesus. The reason that you have a spouse that loves you is only because of Jesus. The reason that some of you are even alive right now to be in your children's lives, in your grandchildren's lives, are solely because of Jesus. And we got to understand that the enemy's not going to steal our joy. We're going to focus on what we have to be grateful for. Because you can sit in church so long, you forgot you were a leper when he found you. And we don't want to be a people like that. We don't want to be a people that sits here so long that we forget. Because I need you to know something this morning. And against, against common belief and popular belief, you are in control of your attitude. It is a device that you can actually control. And some of you are like, not me, Brent. I, I just I can't control it. I get so mad. Let me prove to you you can control it, okay? You know, some of you this morning on your way to church, you were in a really heated argument with someone in the car. You maybe, maybe you were in a heated argument with your wife, and, and then you, it's probably happened to all of us here if you've been married or uh, come to church for a while. You got to church, you get out, and she, she, she won't even talk to you. She's so mad. You walk in the doors, and she sees um, sister so-and-so. Hi. God bless you. It's so good to see you this morning. All of a sudden, the attitude is in check, and she is, and you're like, put your arm around her just to spite her, like, or something. <laughs> Don't do that. I'm just kidding. But I'm telling you, you can control your attitude. Or maybe, maybe you got rear-ended by that person, and you got out, and you were about to shout, shout at this person, say every nasty name you could think of in the book, and then you remembered you have an encounter sticker on your car, and all of a sudden you were like, maybe that was just me, I don't know. But, 
But I'm telling you, you can control your attitude, but we need to stop feeding our negative attitude and start remembering all the blessings that we have, all the things we have to be grateful for. Um, Your attitude will adjust quickly if you fill your heart with gratitude. The last thing that I have about gratitude is gratitude dictates your altitude. Can I tell you the real, this story is more than being about 10 people who got healed. This story is about one man who received salvation. That's the greatest miracle in the story. The one that returned to Jesus for salvation. We live with such a small vision sometimes. We think, oh, I, I, want, I want to be healed. I want, I want a promotion. I want... God, I, I just, I want to meet my spouse. Uh, can I tell you the greatest miracle God is ever going to do in your life is intimacy with him, that you can actually approach God, have a relationship with him, and experience life through Jesus Christ? There's no greater miracle than that. God is more concerned with your soul than he is with your body. But our vision gets so small and we seek the blessing and we forget that, that actually the prize is the blesser. Actually, the most important miracle in the story is the one who returned to Jesus and said, I, I, I want, just want a relationship with you. I want to know you. I want to return to give you praise. Maybe you're here this morning and you had a thrilling encounter with God, but over time your faith has grown cold. Can I get the worship team to come back up and help me? If that's you here this morning, I want you to know that I believe gratitude is a key to you returning to that joy to your first love of that moment that you first met Jesus, I believe gratitude is a key to you getting back to that place where, where your faith has grown cold. I believe that there's revival if you allow gratitude to return to your heart and just return to Jesus and start to sit at his feet and worship him. Just say, God, everything I have is because of you. I'm not going to let the enemy steal my joy and remind me what I don't have. I'm going to sit at your feet and worship and say, God, you are everything I need. And all of a sudden, the joy and the strength in your relationship with God, I believe, is going to return to you. Can we just thank Jesus this morning that he saved us, that, that we even have the strength to lift our hands and worship this morning? Can we give him just about five seconds of praise and just say, God, thank you that I can come to church, that I have the breath to even sing to you this morning. Father, we just praise you this morning, Lord, and I'm just believing, God, that, that this word is for some people in this place, Lord, whose faith has grown cold, and who've lost that, that gratitude that they once had, Lord. I'm just believing this morning, God, that, that our focus is going to be put back on the blesser and not the blessing. You know, I love the story in the New Testament of Jesus when he calls some of his disciples. And the Bible tells us that Peter and, and his brothers, they're out fishing. And these are professional fishermen, and, and they've been out all night, and they caught nothing. Jesus comes and he stands on the shore and he shouts out to these professional fishermen who've never met him and he says, cast your nets on the right side of the boat. Like, okay, Jesus. I mean, we're professionals, but I guess we'll listen because you said it, but they do it. And you know what the Bible says? It says they pull in a catch that's too heavy for their boat to even carry. Do you know what they could have said? They could have stopped there and said, Jesus, this is awesome. This is thrilling. Woo, this is great. We encounter God. Hey, Jesus, can you come back next Sunday and let's do this again so we can catch more fish? And then how about the Sunday? Let's just make this a Sunday thing. We'll just come to receive every Sunday and you just fill up our boat. Does that sound like some Christianity that you've seen? But do you know what they did? Jesus actually gives them another option. He says, leave the boat and come follow me. 
and scripture surprises me because you know what they did? They said, you know what? I've been looking for this blessing, but I realize all this blessing comes from him. So what I've been waiting for here, if I just follow him, I can get it. I want to be a person that says, God, I'll leave the blessing to go after the blesser. What I've been searching for isn't about me receiving, it's more about you. And I want to ask you this morning, are you more enamored with the blessing that Jesus can give you than you are with Jesus himself? Because the focus of everything that he wants to give you, everything in your life that he wants to receive from God is the thrill of knowing him. And I believe God wants to give it to you. He wants to give you every desire of your heart, but I believe that the focus should not be on those things, but on going after Jesus. I love the story again in, in the end of the Gospel of John when, when Jesus had resurrected and the disciples hadn't seen him yet, and Peter says, I'm going out fishing. Some of the other disciples, they go back out, and we see almost like an exact repeat of when Jesus met them the first time, which is interesting because Peter had just fallen and denied Jesus three times. Now Jesus has been crucified. It's over. They gave up on their dreams. It didn't happen the way they thought it was going to happen. They went out fishing. And then a man stood on the shore. They didn't catch anything all night again. And, and this man said, cast your nets on the side of the boat. And John, he's smart. And in the boat he says, it's Jesus. Peter, his eyes opened all of a sudden. He's like, it is Jesus. And you know, they pull up the net and again, they have tons of fish. And again, Peter, he takes off his outer garment. I don't know if he was naked or what, but we'll pretend he's wearing underwear. And he jumps in the water and goes after Jesus. You know why I love this story the second time and how it applies this morning is because the story says when he gets to the shore and he gets to Jesus, you know what he finds at Jesus' feet? The very same thing he left in the boat, a fish. In other words, you've been looking and asking God for something that if you can just get at Jesus' feet, it's already there waiting for you. Every blessing, every desire of your heart, you got to jump out of the boat this morning. I had a friend in when I was a kid, and, and I was thinking about this story uh, this morning because he, his dad was a delivery driver for a chip company. Does anybody remember Poor Brothers Chips? They were good. And so I'd go over to his house, and, and they always had chips. And you know what would have happened if I saw these chips and I went one time and said, ooh, can I have some? They would have given me a bag, and I could have taken it home and been blessed. Like, wow, this is awesome. I got a free bag of chips. But do you know what? I wasn't really concerned about the chips. I just went over there all the time because I had relationship with them. And I realized that because I went over there all the time, I had all the chips I ever wanted. It's because I, I had a relationship with the source, I could get everything that the source had to offer. And in the same way with Jesus, do you know that all things were created by Jesus and for him, every blessing that you have in your life was his idea? And we think, we, we cry out to God for these things, but can I tell you that sometimes you need to realize that if you can just get to Jesus, every blessing, you got a relationship with the source and everything you need in your life is at his feet already. We got to stop focusing on the, what to get the better job, the better car, what, the, what I need from Jesus and just say, Jesus, I'm more enamored with you than I am what I can get from you. And if it means I never receive anything from you, I'm still going to return to you. We'll be the one this morning, Jesus. And 
we're coming back to your feet and saying, God, we want you more than I want any blessing. I want you more than I want a full boat. I'm running and I'm jumping and believing that Jesus is everything I asked for this morning. I don't know about you, but this morning I'm jumping out of the boat and I'm going after Jesus. Will you stand up to your feet with me? Father, we just believe this morning, God. God, I repent first and say, God, my focus has been off at times. And I've looked for things that I thought would bring me happiness, forgetting that you are the very source of happiness, God. You are the very source of every blessing that I've ever received in my life. And so, God, this morning, I'm jumping out of the boat, and I'm leaving behind everything I thought would make me happy. And I'm saying, God, if I can just have you, I know that you're the source, and I'm in relationship with you. So every blessing that you have as I'm around you and I'm with you, you're just going to begin to pour out on me because I'm your child and you love me. And, God, I'm believing this morning that through that relationship. You know the needs I have before I even ask, like my children. Father, we just ask this morning, Lord, that as we jump and we run to you, we're showing you gratitude, and we're believing we're going to meet you in this place. Before we worship, can I have you just bow your head and close your eyes with me real quick? If you're here this morning, I don't want to miss an opportunity for you to just take this time, if God's been speaking to your heart as I've been ministering, and maybe you You've been caught up in other passions and other desires and running in different directions looking for something in life. And this morning, I believe the Holy Spirit's spoken to you and saying, Jesus is all that you need. And if you pursue him, every other passion, every other thing that you've been looking for happiness in life is, is unnecessary. If you want to receive Jesus as your source this morning, will you raise up your hand where I can see it? Nobody looking around. We don't want to embarrass anybody, but I see these hands. Anyone else before we pray? that would just say, Jesus, you're my source. Father, I pray for every person with their hand lifted. God, I pray right now in their heart, Lord Jesus, that they would just begin to repent of their sin. And I know that you're faithful and just to forgive their sin, God. And we turn their life over to you and we say, be the Lord of their life. God, I believe this morning that the things of this world that they've been running to to find happiness that were temporary and left them more dry than before. God, we believe that those chains are falling off as they meet you in this place, God, and find out you're the source of everything they were looking for. And they're jumping out of the boat and out of the relationships that keep pulling them back into those things that are just leaving them dry and they're running to you and at your, at your feet, Jesus, I believe they're finding joy this morning. I believe they're finding peace this morning. I believe that anxiety that's been troubling them over finances, I believe this morning at your feet, they're finding peace that you're in control. No more anxiety over what's gonna happen in our future. At Jesus' feet, he's gonna provide. Come on, will you lift up your hands for a couple minutes and just spend time and just say, Jesus, I'm grateful. I'm sorry for the thing I've made it. I believe there's some of you that God is calling you to, to take a step this morning and it scares you because there's some things and some people that he's asking you to just leave behind that can't go with you into the next season he's, he's taking you into. And I just want to encourage you this morning to not be afraid to jump. Don't be afraid to jump out of that boat. My daughter, she, she likes to play this game where she just does these crazy things where she'll stand on a chair or, or when mom's not there when she was smaller she used to stand on the table and jump and I would catch her and sometimes it's scary because I don't know she's about to do it and one time I knew she said she was going to do it I counted to three she got really scared and we tried like three times and she just kept running to the edge and stopping and I said babe you just jump I'm going to catch you I'm your dad I'm not going to let you fall and she went back and I started to count to one I said one 
two, and then I got a text, and I pulled out my phone, and she jumped, and I dropped her. No, I'm kidding. I wouldn't do that because that's my daughter, and I love her. But I want to encourage you this morning. You can have the faith to say, God, I believe if I get to your feet, everything that I thought I needed before, I'm not afraid to leave it behind anymore because I'm running to my Father who loves me. Would you jump with me this morning? If there's something in your life that terrifies you, that God is calling you to leave behind, I want to ask you to jump and run up here at Jesus' feet this morning. We're going to have the prayer teams come, and I just want to pray with you before you leave. If you need to step out at this time, you can. God bless you. And if you're visiting with us, please fill out a connection card in the seat in front of you and drop it off at the Welcome Center. We have a free gift for you this morning.